With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Isaac Okoro outside with it for the cash. Over to Delhi. Delhi's had great minutes off the bench tonight. Left corner to Garland. Garland holding on to it. Shot clock's at four. He'll fire the three. Count it. A new pro high for Garland. Broadcasting live. Yes. From Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on the sunny shores of beautiful Lake Erie. Gata se roba la línea de fondo. Deja picando para Wey, que la pone dos y con falta. Sí, señor. La asistencia número 16 para los Cavaliers. En 16 canastas convertidas. In downtown Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. You tuned in to Wine and Gold Radio. Rafa, J-Bike, and Joji. Yards! Hey, everybody. Yeah, hey. Yeah, hey. Yeah, hey. And welcome to Wine and Gold Radio. We did the uh, we did the trade deadline special a couple weeks ago, but now we're back in full force. Did we, did we really trade the polka? We did. We traded the polka for, I think, cash considerations. It was not bad, but, you know, <laughs> it was weight on our cap. Uh, wanna go radio? <laughs> I am Joe G, and I'm here. I'm joined uh, by Rafa Hernandez Brito, back from the Final Four. Yes, that's me. And Juan Miguel, John Michael, voice of the Cavaliers. John, guys, I have something to tell you. Ready okay. for this? Yes. So this week, it's very rare, as you guys know, that we get two days together without a game, right? So yesterday, for the first time in, I can't even remember since the All Star break for sure. But I actually did not spend the evening watching NBA basketball, right? And taking notes and getting ready. I actually watched a movie. And I think you guys get on me all the time about my movie selection and how it just it doesn't quite reconcile with your own. I think I got a movie that I liked that you guys would like as well. Let's hear it. I think. It's not going guys... to be Happy Gilmore. Who's in it? Who's in no. it? Uh, only one person. Well... I'm not going to say. Only one person that I recognize. Have you guys oh. seen Chicago 7? 
Nothing? Mm, no. What, what is it? Chicago 7. Chicago 7. I, no, I don't know. It, it. I, it just came out. Over, I mean, I thought it maybe. I thought it just came out, which it did. But it just came out. Is it related to the? Is it related to the hateful eight? <laughs> that, that's where you should start, right? Yeah. No, totally not related to the hateful eight. <laughs> it is about the the protesters to the Vietnam War Democratic Convention, Chicago, nineteen sixty eight. Okay. See that sounds great. Bell. Now is that is that where that song came out? Then I Chicago die. I don't know that song. You don't know that song. I don't know if that's no. You don't know that song. Then I Chicago die. I don't know if that's. I don't know. But that's, that's not related to the movie. I don't know if that has to do with the convention. Yeah, it might be about know. the fire. And I don't know. Then but Chicago. I'm. I'm <laughs> you know what? John said that, and I feel bad because a couple shows ago I said John had terrible taste in movies, <laughs> and that's been bothering me because I thought, you know, that's a dumb thing to say. No, it's not. No, it's it very is. Correct no, thing to say. no, it's not because no one has terrible taste in anything. Everyone has their own it's taste. It's just different taste. It's different. If taste. it makes if it John, makes you feel any better, I didn't take offense to it. <laughs> yeah. So what is the movie? What's it? So that was a it's good movie. The, it's about the Chicago Seven, right? It's a, I highly recommend it. You guys have to watch. You, these guys, for our listeners, they make fun of me because my my movie watching is simple. I like either comedies or something that has an ending where you're happy and you walk away and it's all over and everything's great. Anything where it's a mystery at the end. And I also like historically based movies, right? Any yeah. movie that ends with writing and they tell you what happened to the people <laughs> instantly goes up a couple notches for me. And this was one of those movies. And it was up for Oscar nominations. Okay. Okay. We'll check it out. I like yeah. movies that are based on real events. Like like that John just That's said. what you like. I like I don't those yeah, those those I, I I'm I'm a little more interested if I know I'm watching something that actually happened. Me too. As Me opposed too. to Jason Bourne getting stuck in Mars. <laughs> you know? My movie tastes are real simple. And, Drugs and violence. Yeah. Anything, <laughs> it's true. Anything hey. with those two things, I'll always, almost always watch it. And this is your movie, right? Abby okay. Hoffman, the Chicago Seven, right? Ooh, Abby it? Hoffman, you okay, know. The, I know, okay. I know him. Okay, see, no, that sounds like a this sounds like a good movie I could get behind, John. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. I do appreciate an, that. Yeah. So the guy who actually the only person I recognized afterwards, I kept looking at who the guy who was playing Abby Hoffman. I'm like, boy, that guy looks really familiar. Can't figure out who it is. It's the guy who plays Borat. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Oh, Sasha wait a minute. Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Who right. I love. He's, yeah. And uh, he was spectacular in that movie. Wow. And I'm, I don't like Borat. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> I love but the actor, he was fantastic. And again, he was up for an Oscar. Can I, can I ask my recommendation? Can I ask guys. a real question? Wait a minute. Yes. First, I have to say, John sold the movie right there. He kind of yeah. buried the lead a little bit because, but I love Sasha Baron Cohen. So now I guarantee well, I'll watch this movie. My name is Borat. Is, is that his accent when he speaks, or he's still making fun of somebody? <laughs> He's, he's it kind of bothers me he's because British. I can't figure out who hey. Sasha Baron Cohen. He's yeah, British. like he accepted the award, but he sounded like he was Borat, and not he, so it bothers me. <laughs> I love it. Wait, 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 wait till you hear his accent in this movie, and again, it's why I couldn't place him until the very end. Until I saw the credits, I went, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, see, very good. <laughs> That's Jean Giraud from yeah. NASCAR movie. <laughs> Ricky Bobby, Talladega Night. See, it, went, it, it all circled back to a Will Ferrell reference. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, Cavs on the road this week again. Uh, we're not on the road with them, but Thank God. Uh, yeah, exactly. And took one on the chin in Miami, twenty straight. I know that's. I'm happy you, because you guys would have said it was my fault <laughs> we, because we I didn't do that game. 
Yeah, you're right. We would have. Yeah. In Miami, there was one play. John, uh, Rafa, you were doing Final Four. We'll get to that in a second. There was one uh, play in that game, John. I don't know if you remember. Uh, Duncan Robinson shot a three, and it bounced off the back of the back back of the rim, went shot straight up in the air over back the backboard, the... and then zooped right back down through the wow. basket. And I thought to myself, that's kind of uh, the Cavs are kind of a wily e. coyote kind of thing. And when they go to Miami, <laughs> little things like that go wrong. When you're having a losing streak, little things like that always go right for the other team, wrong for yours. That was kind of symbolic. Uh, tough game. That summed up an entire decade plus <laughs> right. of basketball right. in Miami. Look. That one shot, at Rafa, it hit the back iron and literally went twice as high. <laughs> right. Backboard. I mean, it went two backboards up and dropped, sure wow. enough, straight, <laughs> and straight through. And, and that's when I thought, and I said, man, you know, like I said, Wiley Coyote, that just, that's the kind of crap. Like, just... start the bus and let's get out of here. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep, yep, like, yeah, yep. start the bus, that, that, that means it's and over. The Cavs were hanging around just close enough to yes. still maintain striking distance. That thing went through and exactly. <laughs> yeah, it right. just, right. Let's pack it up and let's move on. To <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I have to say that a, a really a, an excellent bounce back in San Antonio. Uh, and you don't get to take credit for that either on Monday night because, again, you were doing Final Four. Yeah. Uh, but Darius Garland was spectacular, scored the first nine points, Cavs' first nine points, and didn't let up. And that's what I loved about him most was that uh, there was no let up. A lot of times guys will have a hot first half and cool off. He didn't. You know what I liked about it, Joe, is that he did not force a single shot, nope. a single play all night long, and he shattered his career high. Yeah. Right? And, and he, had seven assists. Yeah, that's what I mean. And he got his teammates involved. And, you know, when you're hot, you, you tend to have heat checks. And you tend to – not one time did he force a shot or a play all night long and, and just quarterback this team to a – I mean, an impressive victory. And basically wire-to-wire victory, a little bit of a vanilla start for the Cavs in that first quarter. But after they took command late in the frame – uh, a huge part of that, of course, was the play of Garland, which which was spectacular all night long. That's that's what happened to us athletes when we were in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> but the basket looks like the ocean, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you throw in a golf ball. <laughs> hey, you know what? That was they. You know, they they skunked the Spurs, and I can't really remember that happening. But the Spurs were at the end of a nine-game homestand, and I thought about this, and they p- were really poor on the homestand, San Antonio, and they have the rodeo and all that, but they had a really poor homestand. We've been home for long homestands. Is there such a thing as too long of a homestand? I don't think so. No? Because no. I do. It, it sure I looked do. like it. Yeah, after about six or seven, if you have a long homestand after about four or five games at home, I don't I, don't, I can't speak for you guys. I, I'm ready to get back on the road or I'm ready for the team to get back on the road. Always. There can be a too long of a homestand. Well, you, you hear the same music and again players are creatures of habit they're used to playing then leaving nine games at home is weird which means it's probably 15 days even if that's they what play I mean, right it's probably 15 16 days it, it's a weird home. thing and i wonder if that's because i really i can't remember san antonio looking that bad to be honest well bad. Uh, if it, it my television partner austin carr unprompted said that's just too long for players he you know in the middle of the game he said this is what a team looks like. The Spurs went two and seven. You guys, yeah. and they gave up an average of 118 points. This is still the 10th ranked defense in the NBA, giving up 118 points a game during that homestand. Yeah. So, you know, again, a bit, AC thought, yeah, so this team doesn't look right. And he thought in part 
it was due to that homestand that seemed way too long. And now, by the way, the Spurs finished the season with 17 of 24 on the roads for a team hanging on for dear life yeah. in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, keep an eye on that as things roll along. You and I talked about it and looking at the schedule when they were here. If that team has to play in the playing tournament, they're going to be fried by the time they if they if they if they even advance. San Antonio. They finished with three sets of back to backs. They, they they like back and forth on the road and and away and then if you have to play in that if you in and worse if you're like seventh or eight that you have to win I mean ninth and tenth that you gotta win two games. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we missed the thing is no matter what the Cavs record was, we missed you. We missed our friend Rafa really badly. Rafa was doing the final four this weekend and you got to call. You got to make an iconic call. I got to be. I got lucky again. You know, I I. I Forget about the final final shot by 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 Jalen Sog. That whole game was such well coached. Mm-hmm. You know, UCLA had the perfect plan of taking the the air out of the ball throughout the game and then running when they wanted. But Jalen Sog before that had made a block on Cody Riley and then grabbed the same rebound and threw the bounce pass almost like from foul line to foul line, right skip pass to to through Timmy, who I think you should get the mustache to see. To I don't see, want to, to see I don't want to look, do look like Timmy. Okay, and then uh, but you know everybody, you you learn of a couple of guys that probably earned the right to be drafted mm-hmm. or to be at least considered to be in the, in the NBA. But Juzang, one of them, and and you know everybody says Jalen Sog is ready and should be like a lottery pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, again, lucky. Lucky again. And the funny thing that happened to me was that I went to bed. I didn't even know that somebody had posted. There's somebody on on Twitter that does a mashup of all the plays. Like when there's a buzzer beater or something, he'll grab different languages. And so he put Jim Nance (laughs) with with everybody. They're awesome, too. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kugler, who was my partner in English on on, on, on Westwood One, who I think is wonderful. And and actually actually had the best call because he didn't lose it at all. He just kept his composure and actually painted everything as it was happening. They had a Russian dude and they had Sean McDonald, who I don't know who he was. I think he was doing like ESPN International or something. And usually, and I talked about this with, with John, it's like, it was a play-by-play announcer. You don't want your color guy to get in between your call. I love this. You know? I and, love and I got And I heard mine, and my color guy, who is a legendary coach, he coached the, the, the Puerto Rican national team. He's done TV for ESPN. He's done NBA for years. He also lost it, Right. And I was like, you know, but then I went and heard Billy Raftery, Grant Hill, uh, Jim Jackson, everybody just got it. And, and, the, and the, the universal word in basketball, I don't care what language you list, you're listening to, is, oh, wow. <laughs> That's the one time when I like when the color analyst jumps the play-by-play guy. Yeah. That's when you know something happened. That he was unbelievable. He can't control himself. He was, he was, he was unreal. 16 seconds. Le restan al encuentro. No hay tiempo por pedir. Ganando por dos con Saga. Yusan con la pelota. Lo marca Kisper por la derecha. Yusan penetra en el centro. Levanta el doble. Falla el tiro. Recoge el rebote. Y la pone. 29 puntos para Yusan. El triple en camino. UCLA, and for the second time in the history of Gonzaga, the 
pelearán por el título de campeón universitario. La locura de marzo vive. We don't like that, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> We're set against that. Just for the, the good thing is that I was going so crazy, I didn't even hear my partner. Yeah. Going crazy as well. So I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and my, my phone is going crazy with all these notifications. People liking that tweet that this guy posted, right? And he said, you know, Judge, which one is your favorite one? And a, a lot of people say, oh, the Spanish one, but they, I don't know what he's saying. I hate when people say that. I want people to say, we like you call because we love what you said. or we love, You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I hate, I, even though I like that people take jo enjoyment of me going crazy, I'd rather them say, You know, I would like to hear what the Russian dude was saying. Yeah. So I could judge, make a judgment, because I think Kugler and Nance and, and McDonough, even though he, his voice cracked again, he was, he, they were great. They were great at it. You know, he was like, There's not, it's so natural that you can't prepare for that. So I said, when Jalen Sog went in, I said, you know, the triple on the way, and then the, the clock has struck midnight for Cinderella. Jalen Sog mm -hmm. hits the triple on the buzzer and great says, good night to UCLA. Well, this guy said, you know, you, I was crying tears of of sadness but then when i heard you call you my tears <laughs> turned into joy because i i can't believe that you were you you you, you put out the cinderella yeah. and the buenas noches thing yeah. so that 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 i like that when people get a crack a crack of what i said as opposed to like just me screaming <laughs> not well i mean your in your call was tremendous really incredible and i also you know i've read in in retrospect people talking about gonzaga how they you know lost the following night Uh, people have said that they celebrated too much that that in that victory, and they had nothing left. And I thought, <laughs> what were they supposed to do? Not celebrate yeah, that right? ending? And, and yeah. yeah. Let me it, it, let's clue those people in too. By the way, uh, Baylor destroyed everybody. Everybody. I right. mean, I don't care what Gonzaga did. Yeah. Too yeah. much. Too little. Forget it. Yeah. Baylor. There was no stopping that. They demolished. And that tournament, they demolished that tournament. Yeah, the reason, did. the reason Gonzaga looked that bad is the same reason Houston looked that bad on Saturday. Yeah, right, is because right. Baylor was so prepared, yes. and so ready and laser focused on getting that, getting that title. And I think it's amazing when you think about what Scott Drew has been able to do with that, with that program mm -hmm. after 18 years there. When he took a job that I don't think there was a parent in this world that would give a kid to a coach in Baylor after what happened there yep. in the 2000s, you know, when, when somebody got murdered by a teammate. and they, Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, it is incredible yeah, what, he did what this man has been yeah. able to do for 18 years, and you got give it, to give it, give it to the university for sticking with him, too, because it wasn't easy at the beginning. They couldn't even play interconference games. They just basically were like into a mural the first couple of yeah. years. For those who don't know that backstory, it is well worth Googling. I mean, it is that program wasn't down. That program was as close to gone as as a program could ever be. You you won't you will not believe what you are reading in terms of what happened at that Baylor basketball program yep. prior to you know to, to Drew taking over. It's really some it's a it's incredible. It's incredible what has happened over the last decade and a half plus with that program. Yeah, it was it was the culmination of a great tournament, a great tournament. A, a, we a, missed it. A comeback tournament. Yeah, we missed it. Great comeback tournament. Uh, great ending. Our friend Rafa got to make an incredible call. It all turned out well. Hey, we're going to talk a little college hoops with our next guest. Just a little pro hoops, Cavs. Uh, with Jim Jones, the legendary Jim Jones. He's going to come in and tell us some good stories. He'll be back with us, segment two, and uh, we'll talk to the great Jones. Go radio.
Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Phelps from Fox Sports Ohio. When I'm looking for the absolute best, most in-depth Cavalier content, I don't listen to Wine and Gold Radio. There's more of this. Get that taste. Woo! Let me get that taste. After this on Wine and Gold Radio. The Cav City Collection is now available online at cavcom slash shop. Rep the land with jerseys, hats, tees, and more inspired by the Cav City Edition uniforms. Love running the lane. Left side dance. Pow! With two hits. The Cavaliers, in a partnership with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, introduced the team's City Edition uniform, featuring a design and style that reflects the grit, attitude, and spirit of Cleveland's rock and roll roots. See the whole collection at cavcom slash shop. I need a quickie on WHK. (laughs) I'm Alyssa Dombrowski, basketball communications coordinator for the Cavaliers and good friend of Joe Gabriel, Rafa Hernandez Brito, and John Michael. And I can still think of a very long list of things I would do before listening to Wine and Gold Radio. Now, back to Wine and Gold Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Wine and Gold Radio. Wine and Gold Radio. We gotta have Jones put the uh, the bass on the on the on the on the jingle. That's what I'm thinking. I wonder if Jim Jones could do us like could do a Jim Jones jingle for us. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but... You know what? I'm in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen because that's where the best light is and the best chairs are. Uh, my bass is in the other room with all my stuff, but. Uh, We'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Who's your guest today, Jim? Well, as you can hear, you can hear the uh, the wonderful voice of Jim Jones, Cavs legend, color analyst for Cavs Radio, the incomparable Jim Jones. There is only one Jim Jones. Jim, thank you so much for joining Wine and Go Radio. Yes, sir, it is. The legendary Marquette thank you. alum. Glad to be here, guys. Don't give, don't give me any more... Uh, yeah, 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 you don't give me any more pets on the back because I've run out of money. I only got enough for you and Rafa. So, John, make sure you don't say anything nice because I don't have any more money. No per diem this season. So, J- Jim's out of cash. I, oh, I know. <laughs> that little brown oh. <laughs> Do you miss that, John? John, oh. hey, look at Rafa. Oh. Rafa, I miss that per diem. <laughs> you and everybody. <laughs> I, I my average money in my wallet's gone from about mm, 150 bucks to about. <laughs> I can't get the drive through. I don't have enough money in my in my wallet. And just so everybody knows, you know, all of us, all four of us here, we travel with the team in normal days. Mm-hmm. So on the road trips, the f- before we take off, Mark Cashman, who was a guest here at at, at on Wine and Gold Radio, will give us an envelope with the per diem, a cash envelope, mm-hmm. and. Joe G sit together on the plane and we'll be like, come on, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, what's his name from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, Santini, Mar- Martini, 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 <laughs> Martini, hit me, hit me, hit me. <laughs> yeah, I miss those days. Jim, I miss I miss hanging out with you on the road. I got to say, I mean, we, I don't get the, the normal Jones uh, philosophy on the road. Uh, you know, yeah, I, get, I, miss- I get a better understanding of the team from you. Yeah, I miss that because, you know, we used to have a good time until the time I upset him. John, you remember, uh, what was that? Were we in Seattle or was that in Portland? And I said something negative about the Browns because I'm not a big football fan, right? <laughs> what did I say? I said something. I said, F the Browns or something like that. 
And I thought Joe G was going to come at What are you talking about? <laughs> These other Cleveland brothers. The, the, you're full of, you're, you're full of, you know what? What the heck is going Joe, and uh, I don't even think we rode the cabs back together after that. I think you went in another cab. Because, and so when I got back to the room, I, saw, I looked in the mirror. I said, oh, I should have kept those thoughts to myself. <laughs> no, you never, Jim, never keep your thoughts to yourself, please. I remember one time last year you fanned me. And I, I, I don't want to say I was upset about it, but I thought, man, that was Jim Jones just fanned me. I said something you didn't like, and you just put that big paw in my face and said, no. Oh, I did that. <laughs> you did. did you, that. you fanned me and walked away, and I thought, wow, man. Well, Jim- it's probably, it probably was old age and sugar. You know, once your sugar gets up a little bit. You know, you get a little ornery, and then you got to make allowances for old people. We've all been through that. What's wrong with Papa today? Uh, I don't know. He's having one of those days. Maybe he didn't get his sugar in. Something. You know, so I apologize. I really do. No, please. Again, I don't. I, I almost consider it an honor. We, I kind of, I oh even, I even told my buddy. I said, "Man, now, Jones just fanned me today. He did." Now that we have you, now that we have you, now that we have you here, Jim, sure. can we get something straight? We want to hear the story from you. Because we keep telling different versions of the story. Well, which one? Who got you into thinking or into being interested in playing the national anthem before one of the Cavs game with your base? Was it John? You? Was it myself? Was it the two it of was, us? It was you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, Joe, what a lead in, right? Rafa, that was weak. (laughs) It was Rafa because you had told me the stories about your dad. And the times that I did bring my guitar, I bought the acoustic. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about acoustic uh, basses, basses, uh, the strings are brass. They beat the the S out of your hands. And they're hard to play. And at the time, I was just trying to get my shapes and my fingering down. And I didn't want to go there and bust because I like to do things like I like. I was always this good. I never had to practice. You know, I'm just good. <laughs> you know, but but the, during this protocol, John, should I tell him the story about the lady handing out the stats? <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you should. I think all stories are fair game, Jerry. <laughs> oh, they are. Oh, okay. Yeah. We well, can we're, edit we're later. There, okay, we're sitting there in pro in uh, pregame and in Chicago. I'm damn near in Austin's lap, which is very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then on the other side, John is almost in the in the lady. There's a lady to your left, right? Right. Yeah, right. And you and uh, and you're in her lap. Mm-hmm. You know. And then we're just squinched in there. And this lady comes by and says, "What do you, what, what kind of stats you want? Whatever." Tim tells her what he wants. John and Austin, what you want? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> 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 and I'm going. <laughs> and John and John looks down at me and he's laughing, you know. And Tim doesn't know what to do because he's new. And so when she gets near me, I go, "Hey, listen, I don't want no stacks." <laughs> Why not? I said, you, "I said you got a cold, you're coughing." But I'd already read three or four articles on the virus, right? And Chicago was one of the initial places. New York, Chicago is where it hit. And I'm telling you that she got mad at me, and probably so, but I didn't care. So she would go to the other side of me, hand Tim his, John and Austin, and they're, they're just dying. And then <laughs> one time she, she she takes one and she throws it. Tim is here and I'm here. And she throws it down on the desk between <laughs> me and Tim. And I take my elbow and I move and I throw it on the floor. <laughs> 
And then the protocol came that evening. Remember that? Yeah. Remember yeah. That, that day. I got to say, Jimmy, you were before your time, man, that you were the one who said, I don't want to be using all these headsets that are sitting in these arenas. I'm bringing my own headset from home. Yeah. Despite yep. the fact that that's, that could be a pain in the neck, we were getting on the plane and everything and trying to transport that. It's so worth it. And look and look where we are right now. You were years before your time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, it, I can't take all the credit. And uh, don't tell her, but it was my wife. <laughs> let me tell you, I would be out all day in the streets doing what men do, shaking hands and everything. And I'd come home. And she'd be waiting for me in the kitchen. Hey, Jim. I said, hey, hey, babe, how you doing? I go up to kiss her. she go. <laughs> Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I've eaten with these dirty hands for 36 years. <laughs> now all of a sudden, and nobody's caught a disease yet. She said, wash your hands, Jim. And that's what got me into washing my hands all the time. Yeah. All the time. Because the, and, and then when they showed recently her and I were watching CNN or something and they were shut the eye when they went in an argument like 30 years later and she looks at me she goes <laughs> I, know. I know so Jim how has this year been I mean it's been so different for everybody how's it been different for you not being on the road not being able to watch these guys in practice talk to them after practice the guys love you and after practice shoot around I mean guys are always going to you getting some some knowledge from you. How, how's this year been for you trying to cover the team? I don't miss it. Hmm. I mean, I don't miss it because all we do is broadcast uh, the relationships you miss, but some of those have already been established, mm -hmm. but I don't miss it. I mean, I told Dave uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, Dave, if they don't want me to fly anymore, you know, they can save those two or $3,000 and stay at home. I mean, it, all it means for me is less, less uh, poundage on my legs. No more two o'clock getting getting off a plane in a blizzard with an icy step that so far I haven't fell, but it's coming. You <laughs> yeah. know, all of this stuff, John, you know how it is. You know, we lay down after we come back and we eat a lunch or something and you're tired as heck and you want to at least get in two hours. And all of a sudden this guy's knocking on your door. He's picking up your darn bags. I mean, it's just, you know, you know and then you have no priority. And then we can't eat where they eat. They eat in a room with filet mignon, chicken parmesan, big bowls of French fries and salad and soups and waters. And we're not allowed to go there. Of all the people that could spend their own money for the Ritz-Carlton room service, why do we, we can't even go in the room? I mean, I mean, to me, that is just, oh, it, just, it, just it was just irritating. Jim, you know, they'll, they'll listen to you because you're the legendary Jim Jones. Make sure that when, doesn't you, mean a thing. when you bring up when you bring up that thing to our boss about not traveling and saving money, make sure they save everything but that yellow envelope. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I got to tell you, the that biggest way. thing, I, I know you agree with this, Jim, the, the shoot around where we don't have to be there, where we can right. sit right where we are and look at Zoom. And now I miss... I miss not seeing shoot around, right? Yeah. But not having to go there and being able to sit here and take it all in and talk to the coach and talk to the players like this. Mm, yes. I, I mean, yeah. I could get used to it, right? Yeah, it it could be the thing of the future. Yeah, <clears throat> I can see it. But 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 see, Joe G has to has to do stories. Joe, you can still do your stories right from from virtual, right? 
I can, but uh, to, to be honest, Jim, I really miss the relationships with the guys. That really affects uh, yeah. how I do my job because, uh, again, I yeah. I really try and get uh, underneath the basketball stuff with these guys, and it's impossible through group Zoom calls. You just can't get to know these guys. You can hear basketball stuff um, and a little bit about them, but you don't really get to know them on the Zoom calls. So yeah. uh, I don't – to your point, Jim, I don't miss getting off the plane at two in the morning. I don't miss the icy stuff. I don't miss all that, but I really miss uh, getting to know the players. Yeah, I got a, I got a close call this past weekend during the semifinal game between Gonzaga and UCLA. Just so just to get an idea of yes, it, it is almost the same guys, but especially I have a lot more experience than you do, like calling the games off of screen for my years at Univision, where the budget's also in Spanish, but. I was doing the Final Four, and we found out the day before that we were doing it from the studios, right? So UCLA comes down, USAN comes in, puts it up, misses, gets his own rebound, puts it back in, ties the game at 90. The angle that we were being fed changed to like it was a timeout. So I went to say... You know, Yusan has 29 points. The next thing I know, it sucks dribbling past half court. <laughs> so I, I caught the play when he was already caught. He was, like, already gathering to shoot the three-pointer point, three to yeah. close the game. Wow. And then I said to myself, what, what would have happened if I had totally missed this call? And I think that's one of the things that you, you get you, – I do miss just my periphery angles when, when I'm at the arena – just so I can bring more, I can add more to my call as opposed to just getting lucky and catching something in one of the few angles mm-hmm. we get. So, yeah. Jimmy, do you, Jimmy, do you still watch college basketball? And, and if so, what I watch are your it. thoughts I on watch the it, uh, I don't watch it during the season mm-hmm. because I, I have a phobia against college basketball. Let me tell you what it is. The coaches, they try to make the coaches the stars. You know, and that always bothered me. You know, mm-hmm. that always bothered me. We had Al McGuire, but heck, he had the top five New York, best New York players, the two best Illinois players, and the best player in Wisconsin history in me playing. <laughs> but it was all about Al. Yeah. And, I, and, uh, and he knew it, and through his, uh, and through his uh, uh, narrative dialogue, he would always say, well, Jim Jones paid my driveway. Yeah, but I bought you that big ass house in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, you know, you know uh, and so and so I've just always been anti-coach. You know, yeah. I've been back to coaching because you get got to remember I only played one year of varsity. I played one year of freshman ball, and then I played one year of varsity. And the midway through the, we were playing Jacksonville. They had a the big center center named David Brent. And uh, and that was my last game, March 2026. 20, you know, I left Marquette, and I never looked back, you know. You're anti-head coach. And kind of that's, Jones is the first coach. player. Well, I, he was, I was going to ask him what he thought about uh, Shaka Smart. Uh, now, there's a head coach that uh, heading to Marquette that I, I think you like. Yeah, well, it's all about recruiting, yeah. you know. And Shaka can get him. He yeah. can get the athletes. I mean, I remember Shaka – because he used to play against uh, my best friend had an AAU team that Karan Butler played with uh, down in Racine, uh, which is about 25 miles from Milwaukee. And they used to play Shaka's teams. And they were always super athletic, super smart, super tough. Then the one thing you that you have to give Shaka credit for, lately over the last six, seven years, he's gotten some pretty good big guys. 
six ten, six. He's that he's been able to see talent in those big guys. Yeah, you know, it's easy to find guards; they're a dime a dozen. But to find bigs that can play fast and do all the things that are necessary today is rare. But he seems to have a knack, and I wish him the best. Hey, I could have saved the other coach because I told him at a dinner one time. I said, "Listen, I said if you ever need any help recruiting, I forgot that there's a forty-year difference. All the people I knew were probably dead, but uh, <laughs> but I but I but I did tell him to give me a call, and I could help him." You know, I, I, I make a call to some people. He never called, you know, but uh, Shaka doesn't need me because Shaka's from Milwaukee and everybody knows him. Everybody in that five-state area of Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, they know Shaka from AAU. He can get them, and yep. he's going to come out with some exciting teams. We were just talking about how important tradition and and being an alum means in college basketball more than any other sport. Because Hubert Davis just got the job at UNC, and while I was at the yeah. while I was at the Final Four. Everybody was talking about maybe 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 Scott Drew or maybe Mark Few could go get that a bigger job. And I said, in order to get that UNC job, you have to be an <laughs> alum of the yeah. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. You have to have Dean Smith written somewhere in your in your curriculum in order to be able, You don't want to come in and have to understand the, no. tra the tradition, the boosters. The, 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 I think, you know, the parents will be happy to give their kids to, to go to, to, to UNC for, for Hubert Davis. There's two guys that, that, that have to give you approval. One is uh, supposedly the greatest player to ever play, Michael Jordan. And the other one is the guy who we have labeled as the greatest technician for basketball strategy is Larry Brown. And those two guys, Larry Brown made a statement that they should hire from within. And that was good enough for, you know, for the young kid. And then if Michael approved it, shoot, he's, he, he was in and Hubert's been loyal. You remember he was on Espen for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, for about what, two years, maybe two years. And then he went back to college and I thought he had a future in broadcasting, but, uh, He likes the college game. He likes he likes that teaching, and that's that's what college is about teaching. Jim, do you think there's something to that where, <clears throat> you know, a homegrown uh, player coaching his team, coaching his alum? Do you? I mean, do you think there's something to that? I I talked to Rafa. Football's different, but I talked to him when Jim Tressel came back to Ohio State and Urban Meyer. It kind of brought some Ohio back. Uh, you started getting Ohio kids. Uh, do you think it matters? To, to be where, you know, to be from where you're coaching? I think it's huge. I think it's huge because relationships and being able to get through that front door, you know, to tell your message and your story is so important, especially to parents, you know. And then if you come from a winning program, that makes it a lot easier too. North Carolina, I mean, come on. If there's a job better than North Carolina, I want to see it. Yeah. It sure isn't Duke. Because Kruszewski's been there so long, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but I'm, but I'm telling you, the the greatest job in America is North Carolina, just because of the the mentality and the history, it just keeps going on and on. Jim, Jim, I want to talk about Cavs and the current Cavs team, but I, I can't get off this college recruiting thing. You told me a long time ago about the the story when Al McGuire came to your house the first time. Oh my God! Uh, would you feel like just kind of recalling that on the air just a little bit? Because I oh, remember that easy. just being a cool it's story. It's it's an it's 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 an easy story. Uh, I don't know how my dad do it, you know, did it. But we went bankrupt twice before <laughs> I was shoot, before I was seventeen, eighteen years old. My dad was a foundry worker, and uh, he poured steel, and uh, we were very poor. But uh, so were a lot of other people. Uh, but uh, Al comes to the door, 
Check this out. He's got a brown double knit suit on. I know. Mm-hmm. Brown double knit three button with these fancy buttons and these pointed shoes. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a little redhead guy with him, about five foot eight. Looked like he was scared to come into the neighborhood. But Al was comfortable. Hell, he come from New York. You know, he's seen it all. So uh, they come to the door. The redhead guy was the owner of the bus, uh, Senator Cole. And they were best friends. And so uh, they come through the door. The screen is torn. So flies can go in and out. My mother, when she got scared, she'd always be in the dining room ironing with a, with a blueprint dress on. And and my dad was sitting there smoking a Marlboro, looking at black and white TV, holding his <laughs> holding his drone with his other hand and uh, sitting in a big old couch that was being held up by a cinder block. <laughs> and uh, when you come through the front door, you know, in the old days, I don't know if you guys have had tile floors. But yeah. if when you tear tile, it looks like the, it looks like the coast of the United States, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's torn. And then, and then all of a sudden, all the wood is splintered because we never replaced it. So there's splinters, so you can't walk in that part of the room without getting splinters on your feet. <laughs> so Al comes in, looks around, in his New York style, like he's been there before. One of the greatest comment of all time, though. And so he's looking around, and all of a sudden he says. Nice pad, Jay. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> and my dad gets up. They shake hands. Al sits across from him. And Al was there about 20 minutes. They talked about Marquette. My dad didn't know anything about sports at all. You know, he's a foundry worker. He's blowing his cigarette, coughing. Ten years, four years later, he would die of lung cancer. And so uh, Al says, let's cut the crap. If Jimmy does what I tell you, he'll take you out of this. Wow. My dad said, okay. They shook hands, he left. And I ended up going to Marquette. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That's it. It was that easy. Yeah. And Senator Herb Cole. I always picture that, just a little redhead. Senator (laughs) Cole. redhead. He's a redhead. I used to tease people. I said, I wonder what Senator Cole's hair was when he was about 30 years old. <laughs> Why you say that? I said, what color do you think his hair was? Uh, probably uh, brown or, or black. I said, no, he was a redhead, a bright red, a bright redhead. Yeah, he was a redhead. Like carrot top, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, like a carrot top, yeah. Jim, I do, I do have to ask you about uh, the, the current uh, the current Cavs, current NBA. I want to I ask you about that because I haven't been getting any good Jonesisms on the road. Thoughts on the current team? They're coming off a nice win in San Antonio. In fact, I don't remember the Cavs ever in all the years I've been covering them skunking San Antonio in in San Antonio like that. But that was a nice win. Thoughts on on the Cavs right now? Where we where we're at? Uh, where we're at is fragile, hmm. you know, and that's been proven all season with the injuries. Uh, they just have to, uh, uh, you know, there's two mindsets. They want to develop, but they want to win. <laughs> and those two will never meet yeah. <laughs> when you have young players with inexperience and you're counting on those young people to help. Uh, they're, they're a fundamental part of what it's going to take for you to win. But, uh, but uh, I like, I like, I love, I love uh, Sexton because he has a champion's heart. 
He has no fear. You can win a championship with him. And to do that, his role may change a little bit. Maybe he won't shoot as freely or be more calculating in his decision-making as far as scoring. But you can win a championship with him because the toughness that he has is the toughness you have to have to win a championship. And if you don't have that kind of guy, you better have somebody. If And if it's not Sexton, you better have somebody on your team that is tough enough. But I'm debating right now. I don't know who's better, Sexton or Garland. Garland is, uh, listen, guys, Garland is really good. Yeah. Not, not, not just good, really good. Teams have a harder time stopping him than they do Sexton. I liked yeah. him with an edge the other night. I thought he came out with an edge, and I hadn't seen that. Well, he was game. upset. Yeah, exactly. I thought he was upset from the you other know, night. That lady, that lady kicked him out of the game. I thought he was going to cry. <laughs> you, know, you, know, he, you know, he's got that 15-year-old voice, and and everything is new to him. The world is still a beautiful place. I mean, the only I mean, way uh, the only way the Cavs win a championship if he, if Darius Garland continues his quest to getting more technical fouls than Jim Jones did when he <laughs> led the league. Oh, that'll be rare. That'll be hard. Hey, Rafa, it's it's more expensive now. Yeah, it's more expensive now. So, so you got to pick your spots. You know, you got to look at your bank account uh, every once a month to make sure that you have enough money, man. You, because you were making a lot. You were making a lot of the back in the day, Jim. I was killing them. But <laughs> let me tell you why. I got no respect because I wasn't a dominating center, and that's where our game was focused. The second thing is that they played favorites. And uh, people used to ask me, well, look, at uh, Wes Unseld and so-and-so and Kareem, they never bitch at officials. I said, they don't have to because uh-huh. they're going to get the calls anyway. I said, I'm an undersized center, should be a power forward because I had the uh, the mobility to, you know, to play for it. And look, the Lakers proved that. And I said, I can't get a call. I can't touch them, but they can push me and beat me. I said, I'm not going. I said, either, either I'm going to fight them or they're going to throw me out of the game because I'm not going to let you win. I'm not going to be the victim. And that's the way I played. And, uh, and, um, and uh, I was physical. I would bang with anybody, hold my own, and hard follow them like they were hard following me. And when they, uh, only a couple guys threw their hands up. And uh, one I pushed down, (laughs) and the other one I just picked him up and slammed him down. (laughs) And they were bigger than me. And they were bigger than me. Because, you know, basketball players aren't fighters. You know, we don't fight. We talk a lot, but we don't fight. If you ever see a basketball player fight, and you say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> we, stop it. Just stop. Just stop right there. <laughs> we, we have so many questions for you, Jim. Mine is, who was a tougher player in the day? Jim Jones, Austin Carr, or Campy Russell? Oh, shoot. <laughs> that wasn't even close. That wasn't even close. Because let me tell you what I learned as a young player. Uh-huh. I had learned this from Lou Carnesecca when I was with the Nets. He said, you set the tone for how we play. And I'm thinking he's talking like, what, I got to go out and get 20 and 10? You got Billy Pulse starting. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. And he, you know, Lou will grab your face. Funny no, boy, sweater up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was wearing sweaters then. And then he grabbed his face, he grabbed your face, and he said, you set the tone for how we play. If you're not physical, you're, you're playing soft or scared, the rest of them will be that. And if somebody messes with your guards, you have to fight for them. 
I mean, that was the way I was raised. So, so I fought for Foots Walker. Uh, Campy could handle himself. He was 6'8". But I fought for our little guys. I fought for Norm Nixon, uh, Butch Carter, uh, Allen. What's was Allen's name that played in Michigan? Allen, I can't think of his name. I play, And uh, I, I stood up for those guys. Let me tell you a story. Uh, Wes Sunso was doing a moving pick with his big ass. And every time Foots would come off, he'd stick his ass up. <laughs> I mean, and just level him. But you got to remember, at that time, Wes was probably the strongest guy in the league. Yeah. Never weighed less than 300. His legs were this big. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, his calves. I'm not lying. And so I said, what you doing, Wes? And so I swore at him a couple of times. You know, Wes doesn't swear. He said, stop. You ain't got to swear. What's wrong with you? And I'm just going off big time. <laughs> and he's coming toward me. And I'm going toward him. And I'm in no hurry. But he was in a hurry. And I'm hoping that somebody grabbed me. That's why I was going slow. Now, I'll fight Wes. But as strong as he is, he probably just grabbed me in one punch and I'm dead, you know. <laughs> but I wasn't afraid of him. And that set the tone. You know, I had to stand up for my guards. You know, I've, I've always been like that, you know. That uh, that makes me wonder, are there any players in today's game that – is there a Jones-type player? Is there a player that you look at and you say, man, that's a guy I can really respect or that's a guy who played like me or that's a guy I'd like to play with? Well, I like the mentality of Sexton. If you watch the last game, Jimmy Butler had some things to say when he went to the free throw line, and that's mm-hmm. when Sexton went off. That's when he really started playing hard, and after him wasn't scared of him, and elbowed him and caught Jimmy in the face a couple plays later. He did the same thing to Chris Paul his rookie year, and anybody else that he faced that he thought he was going to challenge him. He's not afraid to be competitive. And then if you watch him after the game, he walks up to Jimmy Butler, and they shake hands and hug. See, that's respect. You see, you see, if you don't stand up for yourself, that's what I teach my kids, then everybody will walk over you. Your wife won't respect you. Your kids won't respect you. Those that you love. I mean, I was afraid some nights when I go against some of these bigger guys, but, but I put the fear aside because I had a wife who was watching. I had brothers and sisters who were watching, and my kids were watching. So, I had, so they helped me stand up. And then after a while, it just became my mentality. I played hard. I, I played hard every game, and I didn't cheat them. You know, I played 36, 38 minutes a game, and I hustled on defense, tried to block shots, maybe deferred a few, got in foul trouble. But I was active because yeah. I didn't have the weight and the muscles to play anymore. Really, I should have been a 28-minute player, but I was forced to play 36. You think opponents just thought, oh, man, I got Jones tonight. This is going to be a exactly. tough night in the office. You know? Exactly. Let me tell you what Kareem used to do. He was, you know, we'd be doing something with Kareem, be on the free throw line. He said, how you doing? <laughs> oh, you ain't going to speak, you know, with a couple of You ain't going to speak. Uh, because you lose your edge. Yeah. See, see, now players don't even think about a competitive edge. <laughs> They either fight you or they run from you. You know, like Big Jokic, you know, he cries too much. He would get more calls from officials, but he only, he's only getting four and a half foul, uh, free throw shots a game while other players are getting eight, nine, 10, 11, and he's just as good as they are. Why can't he get them? Because he cries all the time. And so does the other kid, Dunchik. They cry too much. You got to quit crying, take the blows, and give it. You, you, you can't take the blows and not give it. That's why you get no respect. 
You know what I mean? It's that simple, man. I mean, it's a war out there. You know, our game is changing, and uh, but you have to set the tone. So, so Jones, you know, you you Joe Tate retires after 39 seasons with the Cavaliers. You had the luck to work, luxury to work with him, and then come the young kid comes in to be your partner. He's, Right off the bat, he's a guy who has two first names as a name. You know, it's like, <laughs> like what, what, what is, what's going through the mind of Jim Jones when he sees John Michael walked into the booth? I, hey, I didn't approve this question, by the way. <laughs> Not that we have a script, but it wouldn't have been approved if we had one. So, he does have two first names, like Tommy John. You know, yeah. you know. So, so, so I knew he was unique. But the thing about I've always respected about John is his work ethic and then uh, his delivery, his timing, and then his insight, you know, his insight about the game. Those things uh, are unique in our business. There's a lot of guys, if you listen to other broadcasts, you'll see a lot of stuff they talk about, but I guess they do so many games that they lose their discipline. So they get a little frivolous and they get a little on the edge. And the fan doesn't want to see you on the edge. He wants to see you. He wants to hear you be consistent in your commentary. And that's what we always got from John. Plus, when we when when we were having fun and talking and laughing, you know, he has a quick wit. And uh, and I like to ad lib, but he always knew when to stop it. You know, I would keep going all game. And would, you know, it would be the comedy hour. It would be Saturday Night Live, you know. But he knew when to quit it and then get back to the game. And that's all timing and feel, all those fundamental things that the, our fans don't notice that, that uh, contribute to a great broadcast. If you, and, uh, and he was the foundation for that. Yeah, well, I just wanted to quickly say, you know, Jim, obviously the feeling's mutual. Uh, and again, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to ask this question, but uh, I learned a ton. And just being uh, alongside you for uh, all those years was something special. So I appreciate the yes, appreciate the kind words. Just know that the feelings uh, mutual. I'm well, to, thank, I'm thank you, thank you. But let me say this one thing: the reason why I really respected you because I saw how you treated your family off the court. And this is no jive, man. I love men who are into their kids and their wife, and I know who the real boss is in that house. <laughs> I'm not lying. I know. <laughs> But I'm trying to get you to say something bad about insightful, John. So let me ask you. Insightful as well. Hey, <laughs> and the best. Hey, and the best athlete. And yeah. the best okay. athlete. Yeah, that's a little humbling too. His wife and his two beautiful kids. And the way you judge families is: uh, Do you give attention to your kids when you're busy doing something else? And John always respected his kids enough to let them know that what they're feeling, the attention that, that they were reaching for was always important. And then I saw big Jake, who we don't know what Jake is going to become. He'll either be president. Well, that's a downer to be president. But but uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, Jake is linebacker be, for the Steelers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think Jake Jake has got something. His, his ability to observe, when John gave him a – put him on his lap and gave him a stat sheet and Jake couldn't read them, but he looked at the stat sheet 
and he was going like this, looking at the stat sheet. He was mimicking his father. That is another level of intellect, because that's how we learn, right? Observation, experience, and imagination. Jake has already got that stuff working for him already. <laughs> All right, enough, beautiful enough good yeah, things about Joe Michael. <laughs> Let me ask I you. Say, I know. I, I was going to say quickly. Jake loved sitting on Mr. Jim's lap. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. He started to get heavy. Jake started to get heavy. That's why. Why do you think I passed him? Yeah. Why do you think I passed him over to you? I, I couldn't take it. <laughs> but I know. He I was know. taking the feeling out of my leg. I couldn't feel my leg. <laughs> I know Marty Allen would play music sometimes, depending on what night we're celebrating at the field house or at the queue back then. Yeah. He would play music. How would you grade John Michael's music knowledge Ooh. or music taste <laughs> oh, or lack thereof? <laughs> well, let me put it like this. When there's been music on, I've never seen him pop his finger. Uh, I really can't remember even him nodding, bobbing his head to the beat. And, I'm not, and I've never seen him dance. But that doesn't mean he can't. Okay. It doesn't mean he can't. Yeah. Hey, Jim, do you, Jim, do you, talking about Marty, do you remember the uh, Whitney Houston Madonna story? That no, when, who was that one? I don't know. So the, it was the day, unfortunately, that Whitney Houston passed, okay? And Marty had heard the news. And Marty, for those who aren't familiar, is our engineer who talks into Jim's ears and my ears during the show and tells us when to take a break or whatnot. And Marty said to me, he said, hey, does Jimmy have his headset on? And I said, yeah, he does. And Marty said, hey, Jimmy, you know, Whitney Houston died. And you said, oh, you know, and you guys went back and forth. And I, I said, hey, Marty, what? Do I not know who Whitney Houston is? You know, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> he gave you no respect. No respect. <laughs> no, he said, oh, man, it's a brother thing. It's a brother thing. <laughs> he, goes, you got ten he goes, you got 10 seconds left to air. He goes, all right. Five, four, three. He goes, I tell you what, when Madonna dies, you'll be the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jim, can you stick around for one more segment? Uh, sure. We're going to do segment three on a wine and gold radio. Can you hang out with us for just a little bit more? I sure will. It's my pleasure. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll be right back on wine and gold radio with the great Jim Jones. Hi, this is Isaac Coral, and you're listening to Wine and Gold Radio, Cleveland, Ohio, America. There's more of this. Buyacic. Buyacic. Nikola Buyacic. Buyacic. Is that? No, 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 no. After this, on Wine and Gold Radio. Designed from the land, for the land, the team shop has introduced a new in-house apparel line called the Land Collective. The first series is inspired by the 2020 NBA draft. Each series will focus on a specific theme and feature exclusive pieces that will only be available while supplies last. Get these new looks from the team shop today only at Cavs.com slash shop. For more style inspiration and to be the first to know about upcoming collections, follow at Land Collective on Instagram. This is an interesting story. Is a descendant of Nigerian kings, and his first name Al Farouk means the chief has arrived. Okay, that's a pretty cool ancestral story, I think. Yeah, I'm is sure. that a word, ancestral? Uh, yeah, you can make them up on this show because uh, I know you, you do all the time. All the time, man. <laughs> I've I've invented a whole new Webster dictionary. In fact, we call it the Chonster Dictionary. Now, back to Wine and Gold Radio. Hello. 
Hey, everybody. Back for the final segment of Wine and Go Radio. And we're talking about uh, musical tastes. And, uh, or Marty, lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> and Marty Allen's musical taste. And, and so go ahead, Rafa. This is the guy, Marty <laughs> Allen, who who does a wonderful job dressing the up best. The, 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 the broadcast. If you listen to, to, to the cast broadcast now with Tim Alcon and Jim Jones on, on the Cavaliers Radio Network. He's the voice of uh, Way to Go Radio. But he, yes, but he, he whatever night we're celebrating, he, he'll bring that to Tim. He used to do that with Captain Shoe when John and I used to do it on the radio. So out of all the knowledge, John, don't feel bad that he thought you didn't know who Whitney Houston was, <laughs> but you know who Madonna is. He actually thought that Lindsey Buckingham was a woman, the lead singer for <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. So I, <laughs> that is one thing you'll never leave out. Like he actually thought Lindsey Buckingham was the other voice of of Fleetwood Mac. Jim, I want to stay on the subject of music, and I want to we'll go back to the national anthem because, again, that takes that must take. You talk about brass strings. That takes brass something to do the national anthem in front of a crowd. I mean, it really does. I, and, and I, well, I could have never did it, uh, done it or did it. I could never have did it with my, uh, with my acoustic because the strings, those brass strings, they eat your hands up. Well, either yeah, way, uh, but, now my coaching yeah, but, <laughs> and Rafa's yeah, coaching, it, right? <laughs> uh, but it took me. Uh, I would put the because I could read music. It's not that difficult. So I was reading music, and then you've got this song that you've heard ten thousand times in your head. And I just figured it out, the fingering. Then I tried to figure out the shapes in the keys that were closest to me to do it. But the thing about it, I did it straight. And I uh, I sort of scared Tracy, uh, who works Tracy Merritt, because when she agreed to it, she was in Vegas. <laughs> and, and, and we were in Vegas waiting for our car to come. It was like 101. And I sweats running down the side of my face. And she's standing there all cool and, as, a, as a cucumber. And I said, Tracy, do you handle, uh, you know, the pregame shows and stuff? She said, yeah. I said, I want to do the national anthem. And without hesitation, said, oh, sure, you can. And I kept her to that. And I'm sure it, something had, it, it has something to do with waiting about a half an hour for your car in 101-degree <laughs> heat. It's kind of hard to tell somebody no. Well, I have, an, I have another idea for you. Maybe, you, maybe you'll be able you want to propose it to, to Tracy. It might be too soon. It's impossible to do it for this year because it will have to be next Sunday. But when, that's when the Raptors come Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, right? Next Saturday. But for next season, when the Raptors come to visit Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, I think it would be amazing if you play the national, the American national anthem, and I sing "Oh Canada" before the game. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, let's do that. Propose that. We can do that. Let's do it. Now we, we do, do like a Jim Rafa duet. You play the you play the Star Spangled Banner banner, and I I'll sing "Oh Canada." Sure. Yeah, I mean, Rafa auditioned last hey, week on the I show, like and he killed it. Let's do it, man. Oh, you did? I'd do it. I would do it because, uh, you know, because in the National Anthem, you've, you've got all that fill space. And and now I know how to fill. I mean, I can do some blues in between there. Some blues yeah. Blues. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it won't be Marvin Gaye. Remember, but... never, go, never go right into the anthem. you got to go in with a little a little spice, a little gym oh, spice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could play a little better. A little, a little better. A little better. It'd take me about a week to get it down again. Yeah. But uh, but I can put a little blues tent to it. You have to. Okay, next year. They we're holding that. Next year, Toronto, Jim plays a national anthem. Where's the schedule coming out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we start hey, let's take a look ahead at uh, what we have coming up this week for Cavs. 
Thursday night at Oklahoma City. Boy, I looked at Oklahoma City's roster. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm I follow the NBA pretty pretty closely. That is one game that I'm going to watch tonight or tomorrow. When is it? Yeah, they, I, I know they played the night before. They, they played play tonight. They, they played play tonight. tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to watch that game to kind of figure I'm out. I'm gonna be practicing tonight just to <laughs> right. see what they look like. Yeah, they so have some guys banged up too. They have a number of regulars out of their lineup as well, so it's gonna be interesting come uh, come tomorrow night. Yeah, so that's a that's a winnable game. I love Oklahoma City. That's kind of a to me. That's one of the most underrated arenas in the league. I actually kind of like. Uh, I hate it. You you hate it. The, I, the I like it. Position for me to broadcast is one of the worst. It's worse than Toronto and Chicago. Look at things. Why not? How else am I going to look at? It? How do you like? Why do you like it? There's something you like yourself. I like it because to be <laughs> honest, selfish. Like it no, it's it's spacious. They're courteous. I like that they it's say the only arena I like where they, they pray. say a prayer before the game. Yeah. Not that I care about a prayer, but I like that they say to the NBA, "We're doing it." And that's our thing. We're doing well, it. Maybe next care. time I'll pray for them to give me a spot where I can see the full court, <laughs> and, and then I'll like it. Hey, but, uh, but, uh, but Rafa, is anything as bad as Toronto, <laughs> Oklahoma <laughs> City, the gondola, Oklahoma City? Yeah. Uh, in Toronto, at least I can see the whole court. <clears throat> Yeah, in, yeah, in, in Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma City, if I sit like a normal human being sits, not only I yeah. get a table the size that you get for yourself, for yeah. myself, my engineer, this Oklahoma oh, yeah. Spanish broadcaster and his engineer with 1960s size equipment. But if I sit like a normal human being does, I see half the court, the second half. Like I don't see the benches. Oh. So I have to either lean in or stand up the whole game. In Oklahoma City? In Oklahoma City, Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope uh, we stomp them just for that reason. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, we got well, uh, well, Joe, I'm not going to try to pull uh, cold water on your fire, but that's probably the worst place we could go for me. Because every morning I get up, you know, because we get ready to do the pregame or we're going to shoot around. I jump up out of the bed. I run to the window because I said, damn, I thought I heard cattle in the street. I'll tell you what. We, st- we, we played there on, I think, a Tuesday night, and it was a Monday night, and I looked out at about 10 o'clock. I mean, you saw everything but a tumbleweed. Although I love up. the hotel now with the, with the penguins. <laughs> Yeah, I love. So you they, can we actually have a put them on the door. Art, they have a new artistic. We stay in, yeah, uh, at a museum hotel, yeah, which yeah, is good. But, but Jim, you're right, man. Uh, Oklahoma the, City is. This is. I looked at the calendar, and this is one trip. I am happy I'm not on. Even though they went to Miami, my hometown first, but they, you know San Antonio, which is a rancho, and Oklahoma back to back, and then two days in Oklahoma City. I yeah. don't know. No, I, I, I lo- nothing against the city, but I, I, I disagree. I love. I really like Oklahoma City. Bro- you know the broadcast spot, Jim, in San Antonio. I know. I know. I li- my you know, laptop you, you literally I. becomes a laptop because I have just like a six inches long tape, yeah. wide table. Yeah, you and I have talked about some of those locations they put you in. Yeah. Uh, which which is. But uh, we won, so it's good. Okay. Everything, everything forgets. Okay. Well, then, we were winning then too, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That's a, so Thursday night, winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to. Winnable game. Then they come back for a nice back to back, finally come home. What, is, what do they play? Six, seven of eight on the road by that yes, point? Yes, remember, this is the game that got moved. The Toronto game yeah. was supposed to be Friday, but now it's going to yep. be a Saturday game and then Sunday yep. against NOLA. Yeah, so uh, Toronto and New Orleans, Saturday, Sunday. Last time Toronto came in, they had a little comeback in the fourth quarter, but the Cavs handled them, kind of manhandled yeah. Toronto last time they were here. So Saturday night. Yeah, it, it's almost like the denominator is health. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who's, who's healthy, who's not. But all these games being crunched into two months it's a it's a you're gonna have injuries I mean uh, what happened to James Harden was predictable you know what happened to Durant was predictable 
you know, what wasn't predictable was Kyrie didn't feel like playing, and he said, I'll be back in a week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you plan for that? But uh, anyway, uh, it's just one of those seasons, and and uh, it, it's it's going to be about who's left standing. Yeah, And it, it's not even about momentum, because you just want to get there. You yeah. just want to get there, and then let's figure this thing out. It's almost like a bubble mentality. The next night, well, uh, yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, the The NBA season can be a war of attrition, I mean, especially with the schedule like this. I mean, yeah. it's a matter of uh, staying healthy just long enough. Uh, Sunday night, uh, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans come in. Jim, I'd be curious to get your take on Zion Williamson. I've never – obviously, I don't sit next to you for the games. What are your thoughts on – there's a unique big man. What do you think uh, – what are your thoughts on him? Uh, when our league adjusts to him, there's a chance they may not, just mm. like Wilt. But right now, he's he's just physically dominating. And as the player profile changes and our league is moving back toward bigs who can block shots and defend and rebound and, and switch out on other big uh, smaller players, uh, he may have some trouble down the road if he doesn't extend his game. Yeah. He's a two-dribble guy in the half court. And I've always said all you need is two dribbles in the half court. But what happens when they counter you and you have to take one or two more dribbles and change direction? He doesn't do that. He'll 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 jab one way, but he's going left. Yeah. And he's only got two strong dribbles. So if you can make him put it down a third time, I don't think when people do scouting reports, they really need to see you 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 need to deny him the ball. You know, and uh he's good for yeah. what he does, he's good. The problem is what kind of players does he need around him uh, to be effective in the playoffs? Great call. You know. Yeah. Jim, you mentioned uh, Zion in today's NBA, and I had to ask you before we let you go, I had to ask, what are your thoughts on if, – if, if a player from your era asks you what are your thoughts on today's NBA, the way it is, the, the scoring, well, the three-point shooting, what are your – I know it's a kind of an overarching question, but what are your thoughts on today's NBA? Uh, ridiculous amount of money, <laughs> and it's only ridiculous because I'm not making. <laughs> you know, think about it. They got guys averaging 14, 12, 14 points a game, man. They're making uh, 15 to 20 million dollars a year. Really? You know, yeah. and yeah. we always equated the amount of money you make to your performance, and the stats were the foundation for that. But some of these guys haven't held up their end, and a lot of these teams are really. They're making money, but they're not making as much money as they probably should. But as Wayne Embry used to say, it's, it's the cost of doing business. If yeah. you need this guy, you know, to, to, to be effective and compete every night and help you win, then you pay him the money. The second thing is uh, is too many guards. It's too many little guys for me. You know, now, you know, if you can get a kid six seven, six eight, six nine, who can come in and do the same things that guards can do. So, so I just... I just want the league, if you're going down this path, one thing they have to do, they have to improve the officiating uh, because the officials, uh, I know they're breaking in a whole bunch of new faces because there's so many I haven't seen before, but they have to improve the officiating. I don't think you need to add a fourth. Uh, I think replay sometimes can be too much, but the officials in our league get no respect because they don't seem to have a feel for the game. And, you know, they're just guys with a job. You know, in the old days, those old guys like Mindy Rudolph, 
you know, and all those guys, they loved the game. They grew up with it. They played it at CYO. You know, they loved it. But these kids, it's just a high-paying job, and you feel that. And then they don't even have the sensitivity of the culture. Just because I cussed at you, you don't have to kick me out of the game. Just because I slammed my hand on the, on the floor and threw the ball back and it was six feet from you and you took it as a threat. Or like the guy told LeBron, he was coming at me and I felt threatened. So LeBron gets his first tech. Really? With a guy, they don't even know the history. This guy, the way he gets beat up night in, night out, had never gotten a T. And all of a sudden you give him one because you feel threatened. Why? Because he was big and tall and he disagreed with you. You see, they don't even understand the culture. I think they need to do a cultural sensitivity session for about six months with some of these guys before they hire them. Because like John Michael once told me, there is no group of officiating that has more effect on the game than NBA officiating. And you remember you told me that? Hockey, baseball? No, Definitely. it's basketball. They can change the course of a game by mm -hmm. making one bad call or not making a call at all. Yeah. I have to laugh real quick. You talk about players making money. I always laugh watching the telecast. Uh, John Michael always say something about a player's contract. <laughs> you know, I can tell Austin Carr is going to go, ooh. He'll kind of, John will mention some journeyman he just signed for $14 million. And I could just, <laughs> I could feel Austin just, oh. I wish I, hey, you know what? I wish they would. You should. You should tell Brett that, that when you make that comment, show Austin's face. <laughs> Put him in the corner, like, a split screen. like oh. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for joining us on Wine and Gold Radio, man. It was a blast having you on. You got to come back sometime. Uh, sure, well, it's my pleasure, guys. Talk to you. Thanks, okay. Jim. Get ready, Jim, Toronto next year. You and I. Yep. Anthem. Okay, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That was our friend, our good friend, Jim Jones, the one and only Jim Jones. The big teddy bear. He is a big teddy bear, but he could also squash your head like <laughs> a walnut if he wanted to. So, What do you but, say he did to you? He he, he he fanned me. He fanned you. I told him, I, I said something. I said something he about. He talked to the hand? Yeah, I said something about a coach I liked, and we were walking into shoot around, and he just gave me that big paw and said, <laughs> he just fanned me, which is like it would have been an automatic technical in the pros. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Okay, we're going to wrap up here. I, what, what, are we on episode 12 of Poetical uh, Radio? One of those, yeah. Okay, we're, we're on one of the 12. Got to thank, of course, Lucy Barris. I love Lucy. Yeah, we all do. Uh, Rob Hageman, Joe Moner, uh, Joe Fritchin, the great mm -hmm. Joe Fritchin, Casey Coolis, who has shortchanged because I always say he's got the coolest name in broadcasting, but, but he's actually one of the coolest dudes in broadcasting, yeah. Casey Coolis. Uh, Peter Berman, Matt of the North, Matt Gold, the Golden Boy. The hardest working man in show business, our friend, my friend, your friend, D-Mac. He, he's one of my favorite humans in the world. Uh, of course, we have to thank our special guest, Jim Jones, and the dynamic duo of Dirty Kurt and Big Daddy, Marty Allen. Let's go, Big Daddy. We'll see you next week on Wine and Gold Radio. And as always, good night, Freddie Mac, wherever you are. You have to be kidding me. You're listening to Wine and Gold Radio. Wow! El Torito en Fuego! Cleveland. Oh, mercy. Ohio. Oh, are they? America.
<laughs> Whoa.